0: Today, we spend a few more moments talking about being all things to all people. In our churches, we love to use big words. We obfuscate our pedagogy through superfluous grandiloquence, manifesting hubris instead of demureness. See what I mean? Inconceivable. While I might have a speech impediment, I certainly do not want to have a preach impediment. These get in the way of God's message reaching our hearts and minds. Let's dig through those big words and learn something incredible. Thank you for listening to Preach Impediments, made possible by Eden Hollow. Check out what's being written and made available by going to edenhollow.com. If you stayed tuned, at the end of the episode, we have a special offering for you that you'll want to hear about, so make sure you listen to the end of today's episode. Let's jump right in. Welcome back to Preach Impediments. We're going to spend a few more moments talking about being all things to all people. Hopefully you've had a chance to listen to the episode with Daniel DeGarmo. We had a great conversation. He told lots of great stories and I think there were probably some pretty helpful pieces in that story to allow you to know how you can do a better job of being all things to all people. We're going to get practical again today talking about some very specific ideas. But before we do that, I at least want to talk about one of the major mistakes we make that prevent us from being all things to all people. And it is that we often begin our conversations with those we are trying to gain influence with, those we are trying to lead to Christ. We start from a place of disagreement. We might start talking about all the things that we don't agree on, And then we're surprised later why the conversation doesn't get anywhere. Well, our conversations that we have with people often remind me of the way that my four-year-old addresses just about every single meal we have in our house. My wife will be in the kitchen cooking, or maybe I'm in there cooking, and my four-year-old will walk in and she'll say, hey, Dad, what are we eating? And I'll say it, and it doesn't matter what it is, if it's not a sandwich, which is her single and only favorite food in the world, she goes, oh man, and she starts telling me why what I'm cooking, whether she's ever had it before or not, is not good, and why a sandwich would be good. So before she has even listened, before she has even tasted the food, she has already decided that she disagrees with that food or that food disagrees with her. And I think we do the same thing often with our conversations or with the uh, attempts to study the Bible with people that we make. I'm not really sure exactly why it is we do that, I don't know if it's an attempt to make ourselves look smart, or maybe we want to be seen as the one who has the answer, and so we start with a piece of the conversation that we know we have a different answer than them, therefore we can do the teaching, or maybe it because it gives us something to talk about in this world where so many claim to love Jesus and obey Jesus and have a relationship with Jesus. We often don't feel that it is good enough to just talk about Jesus. And so maybe that point of disagreement gives us an avenue in which we can have a conversation. Uh, Or maybe sometimes it's just our way of skipping the conversation and getting straight to the point. We want to convince them that they're wrong and we're right. And the quickest way from point A to point B is to start at point B. Uh, But the problem with that is it doesn't actually create conversation. It creates a classroom, and nobody wants to sit into a classroom if they're not forced to. Some of the common disagreements we have would include worship styles. Maybe we have disagreements about whether instrumental music should be used in worship or whether it should not. I hear a lot of arguments about the timing of the Lord's Supper, uh, both Within a fellowship, you know, should it be Sunday morning? Should it be before the sermon? After the sermon? Should you do it on Sunday nights? Or even the frequency of the Lord's Supper? I'll hear arguments often about what money can be used for, uh, the, the money that is collected by the church, or maybe even bigger disagreements like how are we saved? What are the roles of works? And what qualifies as a work? I hear arguments about the purpose of baptism and whether it is necessary or not, or even spiritual gifts. And that last one, I think, brings us to an interesting passage of Scripture. We have this discussion of all things to all people there in 1 Corinthians, and Dan read that for us the other day. But I want us to skip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. In the discussion that Paul has with the Christians in Corinth, he is discussing with them the division they have made among themselves regarding their spiritual gifts. And so, He says, over in chapter 14, chapter 12, he's introduced the the problem. Chapter 13, he has said, desire the greater gift, which is love. And then chapter 14, he gets practical. He gets into the nitty-gritty of what it looks like for them to worship together with varying gifts. He says, chapter 14, starting in verse 23, If therefore the whole church assembles together, and all are speaking in tongues, and people who are outsiders or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all are prophesying, and some unbeliever or outsider comes in, he is convicted by all and is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart will be revealed, and as a result he will fall face down and worship God, proclaiming God is really among you. I love the way Paul describes that there. Our goal in being all things to all people back in chapter 9 is that by every possible means I might save some. Now I do this because of the gospel so that I might share in the blessing. You skip over one chapter to chapter 10 and it says this. I also try to please everyone in everything, not seeking my own benefit, but the benefit of many so that they may be saved, in the last verse there of chapter 10. Well, chapter 14 is an example of how they are doing that. He basically says, we practice our spiritual gifts in such a way that at the end of what is observed, they may fall in worship and proclaim God is really among you. That's being all things to all people. You use your gifts in a way that is most beneficial to the people. And so here, there is a practical side of what it looks like to be all things to all people. And I think it's good for us to do that, to consider that. You know, if our goal is to have people fall down and worship, and our goal is to point people to God, and our goal is to drive people to Jesus so that his blood might wash them clean of their sins, and they might become part of this kingdom, part of this family, and part of the inheritance that we gain from God, well, then we should be doing everything we can to try to drive people to that goal. I mentioned the other day with Dan the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. To be honest, I can't right now remember if that part got edited out or if that was still a part of the final episode, but That is a book written by a guy named Dale Carnegie back in 1938, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And I encourage you, listener, to pick up that book. It is one of my top five favorite books ever written. And one of the reasons that I love that book so much is that it is literally just a practical look at what it looks like to be all things to all people. He doesn't put it in those terms. It is really a book written for the business sector of our world, but it is absolutely a practical look of exactly what Paul is asking us to do in this passage of scripture in 1 Corinthians. So let me share with you some of the principles that you'll find in how to win friends and influence people, and I think you'll see exactly what I mean. The first point that Dale Carnegie makes is that we need to not criticize. Now, that is hard to hear in our modern culture where we love to criticize things. We love to criticize our politicians. We love to criticize people on social media. We love to criticize our friends. And that is not how you win friends and influence people. That is not how you practice being all things to all people. Criticism is dangerous because in the end, ultimately, all it does is wound a man's pride it hurts his sense of self, it arouses resentment in him, and it causes him to not want to be around you. Well, if you're trying to win him over and trying to gain the potential influence in his life, criticizing him is going to ruin that. second piece of advice that Dale Carnegie gives us is to give honest, sincere appreciation. Notice that That did not say flattery. That did not say find some false thing to build them up about or to be fake. It said give honest, sincere appreciation. We, as people, are constantly served. It's just a part of our culture. Now, we probably don't look at it that way. But the truth is, there are people serving us all the time. Some of them are paid for their services. Some of them are just generous with their kindness. And we need to be the kind of people who are genuinely, sincerely appreciative when somebody does something for us. Now, that could be the clerk at the grocery store. Instead of standing there with a frown on your face, you know, twiddling your, your, your keys in your hand because you're in a hurry and you got to get out of there. Stop, slow down, and thank them for giving you their service. It might be a waiter or waitress at a restaurant. It might be your mail person. Give them a big thank you next time you speak to them and let them know how much you appreciate what they do for you. The more you appreciate, the more people will want to help you, the more they will desire to serve you better, and the more influence you will gain in their lives. I remember back several years ago, we were building a house in Florida and there was, it was a spec house and there was another house in the same town that was being built, exact same specs as ours. I would go over often in the afternoon after the works were done, I'd clean up the job site because they didn't always do a real good job of that. I never made a big deal about it, didn't say anything about it. I would go over and I'd talk to them. I'd build a relationship up with the contractor. And it was funny, by the end of the several months process of them building our home they started telling us hey when you get a chance invite the people at this other house to come and see what we're doing at your house because we are doing so much a better job at your house than we are theirs because all they do is come in and complain about this and that and the other and they don't like this and this wasn't cleaned up and he's and they said that all, all we did was we'd come in and we'd say thank you and we'd pitch in and we'd bring them big pitchers full of tea and all sorts of things like that. And honestly, we did that because we did appreciate what they were doing. Florida is hot during the summer. And they were out there working and we appreciated what they were doing for us and they did a good job for us and we need to be willing to show appreciation when good jobs are done. Number three is get the other person's point of view and see things from his angle. Walk a mile in another man's shoes, oftentimes we hear. Just the idea there is people have respect for someone they believe understands them. And so we have to be willing to go the extra mile in trying to understand things and see things from their angle. If all we ever do is argue our point of view, well, then they have no reason to to, do anything other than the same. Just argue their point of view. But if we are seen, sincerely trying to understand the argument or the discussion from their point of view, well, then they're going to desire to see it from our point of view. Another one is become genuinely interested in other people. I'll be honest, this one's a little bit hard for me. I am one of those who loves to hang out in an office. I'm one of those who love to just be by myself. And when I'm out and about, I'm generally in a bit of a hurry because I have things to get to. I have projects that need to be finished. The idea of stopping and having a conversation with people about them is a little bit of a hard thing for me to do sometimes. But what better way to create genuine conversation? One of the practices I've had many of my fellow brothers do is they will grab their Bibles And they will take their Bibles and uh, essentially go have Bible studies in restaurants or Bible, you know, they'll just do their own Bible study at a coffee shop. And they do that not because that is a good place to go and focus and study. It's not. You have all sorts of noise and all sorts of distractions and interruption. But they do it because it might open up an opportunity for them to be genuinely interested in someone else. There's a lesson there for us, and we need to make sure that we're doing that sort of thing. Another one is smile. We live in a culture that is lacking seriously in smiles. So when you find somebody who is genuinely a smiler, they're attractive. And I don't mean physically, I mean socially. They are somebody you kind of want to hang out with because. They seem to be happy. They seem to have something going right for them. And we like to be around people who smile. Remember names. And we all make so many excuses on this particular one that we we say, well, I'm just not good with names or, oh, my memory's just not what it used to be. You know, our memories aren't what they used to be because we don't put as much effort into it. I remember at a camp I used to work at years ago, there was a worker there uh, who worked for the campground itself. And we would bring in our camp of about 150 to 200 campers. And he made it his mission every year to learn every camper's name in a week. And he had a deal that if he didn't know your name, by the end of the week, he would buy you something at the camp store. <laughs> well, that, that's quite the challenge he gave for himself every single year. But I think we probably should do the same thing. What a great privilege it is when somebody knows our name. I remember one time we had a gentleman who placed membership at a congregation that I was serving, and the reason he told the elders he was placing membership there was because he had come to visit about four months before and had not been back because he had been on the road or been moving and several things had been going on in his life. But when he came back, somebody remembered his name there is an incredible amount of influence that is gained just by having that sort of personal connection with someone. The next thing Dale Carnegie says is be a good listener. Be a good listener. That is not always easy, but it is always a good thing. And so we need to make sure we are the kind of people who are listening to other people, who are meeting them where they're at, who are trying to make sure that we hear what they say. One of the best ways to be a good listener is to, in being genuinely interested in people, ask them questions about themselves. People love to talk about themselves or talk about things that they find important. And so the best way to let them know you're going to be a good listener is to get them talking. The last one I'll bring up for this podcast is Make the other person feel important and do it sincerely. People are important. They are important because they are gods. They are important because they have souls. They are important because they are a part of life and they are part of the relationships that God has gifted us with. If we can truly see the importance of people, to see as God sees, to see souls instead of people, to walk by faith and not by sight in our relationship, well, then we need to make them know just how important we see them. In some ways, that'll be by spending more time. It'll be by showing genuine interest. But most of all, it'll be by telling them that they're important. Let people know that they are important to you and that they matter. And if you do that, it will be amazing to see just how much they appreciate you in return. It'll be amazing to see how willing they are to listen when there is a conversation that needs to be had regarding their salvation, regarding their understanding of scripture, regarding truth. Being all things to all people is not just a clever phrase, but it should be our way of life. It should be the way that we develop relationships, And we need to make sure that we are giving people truly the interest that they deserve. I hope this episode has been helpful and practical in so many ways. And again, if you've not read How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie, I encourage you to pick it up. It's pretty cheap just about everywhere you go because it is an old book. There are some great audio recordings of it if you're an audible listener. And there are some great resources that go along with the book. Please pick it up. It is easy to read, and it will absolutely change the way you view people and the way you build relationships. It is what God intends for us to do. And if we're going to be all things to all people, then we should desire to know more of how to do that. And... If this episode has been helpful to you or you think it'll be helpful to a friend of yours, please share it and let them know what we're doing here at Preach Impediment. We absolutely desire to have your feedback, to have reviews, to know exactly what we can do better. If you find something that we're doing that annoys you, if there's some sound that's bothering you, maybe it's my voice, that I can't do much about. But I would encourage you to let us know, give us some feedback, let us know how we can help you and how we can help you grow closer to God through understanding the words of Scripture better. Until next time. We want to help you grow. and The best way we need to do that is to put good information in your hands and to help you interact with it. In order to do that, we've created the Interactive Supplement. This is a downloadable file that you can print and use as you listen to episodes of Preach Impediment. Interact with the text, interact with your own thoughts, and grow as you draw closer to Scripture and closer to God. The way to get the interactive supplement is to go to Edenhollow.com or PreachImpediment.com, and there you can sign up for our newsletter, which will have information about the interactive supplement, and we'll get that to you as soon as we can. We hope this helps you grow.